just a bit outside. Welcome on into another episode of Nate at the Foul Pole. I'm here with my co-host, as always, Matt Pine. Matt, how's it going today? Uh, pretty exciting podcast I think we got planned. We, we've got a couple couple podcasts in the works that I think are going to be a real real good line of podcasts here. So I'm excited. I don't know how you're feeling about it. Yeah, I think the uh, latter end here of June and pretty much yes. all of July is going to be kind of our sweet spot for the podcasting season. Obviously, uh, we got the all-star game coming up. We got the draft coming up. We got trade season coming up. So tons and tons of content to push out. Yeah, I'm, I'm very into the draft. Like, I think, you know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty into that stuff. I read all the all the blogs, look at all the rankings. I make my own and all that. I go pretty deep into it. But I will be completely honest. I had no idea the draft was July 11th. I had it, it, pretty much yesterday is when I figured this out. Um, I was thinking it was like July 25th or something late in the month. I did not realize we're basically not that far out from it now. Um, as this is being recorded on the 23rd, it, we're, we're starting to get close. And I think, you know, I, I would say pieces are starting to fall into place, but I think there's more question marks around this draft. And we'll talk about that more in a few weeks, but I think there are more question marks about this draft than practically we've, we've had in a long time. Um, you know, last year it looked like Torkelson was was the front runner for, for the number one overall pick and pretty much the lock for the number one overall pick in, in you know, maybe a, a two-month time span before the draft. And then Adley Rushman was pretty much the consensus number one pick in 2019 for a long time before the draft, probably six months or so. Um and this year, you know, obviously nobody has any idea who's going to take that number one spot. Could be Jordan Lawler, could be Marcelo Meyer, could be a guy like Henry Davis. Even Jack Leiter still has a chance. Um, pitched really mm-hmm. well against NC State the other night. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we're going to have Jim Callis on here soon. We're going to get that podcast out. We're going to talk about the draft prospects, but it is coming up. I, I really did not realize we're not that far away now. Yeah, I think they wanted to. Uh, they coincided it with what the College World Series, or is it the the All Star Game weekend? You could be right. I'm not sure exactly. Um, it's one they of the changed, two. You know, it used to be a June thing, and now it's now it's a July thing. Um, right. I preferred it in June actually. I would. I'm more of a uh, you know of a person who would like the draft just come, kind of be over with and have the All Star Game set for June or, or for July. Yeah. Excuse me, but that's that's just the way I would like it. I, you know, probably many people like it in July. It's a little later. It gives the maybe gives teams more time to look at some of these guys. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point too. Um, but it also does affect like the minor league season because you want to get some of these guys um, to have like you know some good at bats throughout the summer. Um, and right. if you're not getting drafted till you know basically middle of July, you know you wonder how many at bats they actually will get. But you know it's neither yeah. here nor there. So, I mean that's definitely a question mark. Um, it's probably you know there. I'm sure there are benefits, there are negatives, there are all the things that you could you could analyze from it. But I personally would have liked to seen it in early part of June. We would have known who the Orioles had taken at number five overall now, and I guess we'll know in not too long of time. So I'm looking forward to it, and I think it's going to be you know another rewarding draft. Mike Elias has done very well and gotten a ton of value in the in the, the 2019 2020 draft. So I'm looking forward to all that. Yeah, me as well. Um, I, I'd probably bemoan this every year, but like, I really, really wish that you could trade draft picks. I do, too. I do too. Depending on how this draft board falls, it could fall, you know, very favorably for the Orioles and probably will. But if even if they just had the option just to trade up one or two picks or even trade back one or two picks, just to have that option, I think it's something that uh, Major League Baseball should really, really consider moving forward. Yeah. Do you hear a lot of background noise on my end, by the way? 
cool okay the fans just turned on so it's it's loud <laughs> um, okay. but yeah I, I agree i think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be another exciting draft looking forward to that but today we wanted to talk about another thing going down in july um kind of an early a little bit over a month out preview of the trade deadline um it's something that is important extremely important i should say for the you know for for guys every year um especially these teams that are rebuilding or you know extreme buyers maybe a team like the astros or the dodgers so the orioles are obviously in the middle of this you know they're, they're a selling team who are going to look to sell off as many guys as they possibly can at the right price of course you know i, I think we've learned pretty early that Michael Elias is not going to trade anybody for, you know, a Pepsi. Like this guy is going to, he's going to work hard and figure out which, which of these trades is going to actually pay off and, and if it will actually benefit the Orioles in the future. Um, so we, we, we sent out a poll yesterday on Twitter uh, about three guys that we thought could possibly be dealt, including Anthony Santander. And then as, uh, as Daniel, who is known as Film and Sports on Twitter, uh, he pointed out that Galvis actually should have been in that poll instead of Santander, and I actually kind of agree with him. So we're going to actually talk about Galvis in here, um, even though I feel like Galvis is more of a certainty than a guy like Anthony Santander to be traded. I mean, I would almost put money on Galvis being traded at this point. I, I If you know, if I could bet on that, I probably would. Um, you know, Galvis really brings no August-September value to the Orioles, and it would be smart for him to, for him to be traded. Uh, so instead of talking about Santander, as we were planning on doing, Daniel pointed that out. So we're actually going to talk about – uh, we're going to talk about Freddie Gallus. So I'm looking forward to, to talking about that and hearing Matt, you've created a few trade proposals. I've created a few trade proposals uh, for Trey Mancini, Freddie Galvis, and Paul Fry. Uh, it's basically three of the hottest trade chips for the O's. So mm-hmm. which guy do you want to start with? Do you have a guy in mind? And then talk about why you picked the guys you picked, what team he's going to go to. Yeah, so I went with uh, Paul Fry. He's going to be my first guy. Okay. Um, and a team that I'm targeting might be a little bit of a surprise to you, but I'm targeting okay. the Cincinnati Reds. Really? So and not, they are not really known as someone who's going to buy for sure this year. They yeah, might. They might. They're currently sitting at 36 and 36, kind of teetering. I think they're four games out of the NL Central right now. First okay. place lead. They might not even be contenders this year, but the okay. reason that I'm giving them Paul Fry is because he is not a um, free agent until 2025. So they got, you know, four years to really play around and see what, how they can utilize him in the bullpen. Right. Um, the Cincinnati Reds currently have the worst bullpen ERA in baseball at 5.73, wow. which is just mind-bogglingly bad for a team that is somewhat in contention. Um, so I picked the Cincinnati Reds for Paul Fry, and I have coming back in that trade. Um, I'm actually pretty good trade for the Orioles. Um, three of their top 30 prospects. Okay. Okay. I have uh, Lion Richardson, who is a right-handed pitcher. Um, he's in uh, high A ball. Um, Tyler Callahan, who is a uh, middle, kind of middle infield guy, second baseman, third Callahan. baseman. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then, uh, so that's the seventh and eighth prospect in their system. And then I have their number 22 prospect, Jan Contreras. Okay. And I, I did a combination of need for the Orioles, meaning like up the middle infield prospects, a pitcher nice. in there. Yeah. And then I put all of this on baseballtradevalues.com. What kind of oh, evened okay. it out to see, like, is it is it a fair trade? Is it not a fair trade? And this came up like one of the more fair trades that you could possibly get between these two teams. 
Well, you one up me there. I didn't do that. I did not put my guys into the into the uh, the trade simulator, but I like that idea for sure. I mean, if you look at Paul Fry, you know, I I think a lot of people will write this off as a guy who's not really going to bring back a lot of value. But let me tell you, you're wrong. Like, look at all of the lefty relievers that have had mm-hmm. success in the majors and then have been traded for ridiculously high prices. Obviously, Aroldis Chapman for Glaber Torres is is the, the right. king of all of these trades. And obviously, nobody thinks that Glaber Torres is coming, or a prospect like Glaber Torres is coming back for Paul Fry. Of course, we don't think right. that. We would be crazy mm-hmm. to think that. But we do think that lefty relievers bring back very, very good value because there aren't a lot of them. They're, they're in need, and teams that have really bad bullpens and have struggled a lot this year are going to pay a high price for a guy like Paul Fry who can provide immediate impact. Um, so the team I went for was unsurprisingly here. I think this is kind of what most people think, but the Los Angeles Angels, they need bullpen help really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're in no place to sell. They've got Mike Trout. They've got Shohei Otani. They've got Rendon. They're going to keep buying, buying, buying and try to get themselves in a playoff spot, even if they're pretty far off of them right now. Um, the Orioles have made multiple trades with them in the past. Dylan Bundy, Alex Cobb just recently. So it makes a lot of sense to, to add Paul Fry to that bullpen. Um, and now when I say Paul Fry brings that back a considerable value, I'm not talking a top 100 prospect here. I'm talking more organizational top prospects here. Um, so the mm-hmm. guy, one of the guys I've loved in this angel system for a long time, I was hoping he would be the return for either Bundy or for, uh, for Alex Cobb more recently, but that's Kyron Paris, the shortstop um, who's pretty, I would say pretty far off. You know, he's only 19 right now, so it could be a few years before he debuts, but the guy is tearing up a ball right now. Um, he's basically, he's batting 297. He's got a 423 on base, 516 slugging. Um, he's been incredible so far this year. So, you know, uh, Paris is a guy who gets a lot of extra base hits, um, extreme speed. He walks at a very good rate, uh, steals bases. So he's a guy who just has tools across the board and fills out a middle infield spot for the Orioles. Um, and the second guy went with Robinson Pena, um, a 22-year-old right-handed pitcher at A-ball as well. Uh, he's had considerable success this year in eight starts. He's has he's one and two with the 3.98 ERA. Um Pretty good numbers across the board. The whip is a little bit high, but the average against him is only 168. The whip is 1.45, I should have mentioned. But look, I mean, this is another guy who, you know, another international signee, um, a guy who can clearly, clearly take a lot of steps forward and become, you know, an even better pitcher than what he is. And the stats are showing that right now. Um, so he, uh, Kyron Paris, ranked number five by MLB Pipeline for the Angels. And uh, Robinson Pena ranked number 15 for the Angels. And look, the Orioles could even get more back than that. They might even be able to get, you know, a, another top 30 prospect. You mentioned having three back. That's certainly possible. But here, these are the two guys I've targeted um, and two guys that seem like they would fit the needs of the Orioles, like you said, up the middle and pitching. Yeah, I like that that a lot. I mean, the Angels consistently seem to be the team that struggles with pitching. Always, you know, it, it, it's just insane how they can't support basically two of the top 10 players in baseball, like right, not exactly. make them a contender year in and year out. It just, it boggles my mind really. Um, but yeah, I mean, that seems, that seems like a pretty fair trade. I like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, and like I said, I mean, I think there's even room to get more value back. Um, I try to play a little bit conservatively because I don't mm-hmm. want to try to overvalue the Orioles just because we're an Orioles podcast. I don't try to, I, I try to make it as realistic as possible. And I think that's a pretty realistic trade offer right there. Um, and, I, and I think Paris would make an immediate impact and probably be besides Gunnar Henderson and maybe Jordan Westberg, the best shortstop uh, prospect in this system, which is mm-hmm. obviously, you know, again, he'd be behind two, two of these guys, but still an impact bat. 
um, and an impact defender and impact runner. He would be a solid, solid pickup for the Orioles. And that's the thing too, when you're building on the, you know, building out a farm system, you want to build depth at every position to have right. I mean, you never know backups who's gonna work and backups. Out. Exactly. You never know who's right. going to work out. Exactly. You never exactly. know you're going to trade. I mean, it's just that's just good business right there. Yeah, um, I mean, it, it's you have to stock up as much as you can. Um, and Kyron mm-hmm. Parrott is the guy that he could even move up. I mean, he's only 19 again. This guy could be a top 100 prospect in two years, um, and especially the way he's hitting the ball right now. So I'm excited about that. I hope it works out. All right, uh, moving on to my second guy, Trey Mancini. Don't want to see this guy go. I think we would all be heartbroken no, in Baltimore if if he got traded, if he got dealt. We want him to be an Oriole for life, if possible. But just playing the game here, you know, just to see what would happen. Um, my team I picked for him would be the Oakland A's. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Oakland A's notoriously not big spenders, you know, in free agency. They don't. They want to um, maximize the most amount of wins for the lowest amount of salary. Um, a guy like Trey Mancini is not making very much money. Another guy who's going to be in arbitration for the next couple of years really is not going to hit free agency until 2025, just like Paul Fry. Um, and currently out of their DH spot, they have a 660 OPS. Um, and, and that's Mitch Moreland. It's really not getting it done for them. Um, they're a team that ranks 12th in runs per game. So kind of sort of middle of the pack. And they're really struggling with the uh, Astros there for first place. Um, so I'm going to give them Trey Mancini and his 830 OPS in that DH spot. And, uh, in return, we're going to get Robert Poisson, um, who is a really undersized, um, shortstop there for Oakland. He's only 165 pounds for being six foot three. Um, so he's going to really need his pack on some weight there. But, uh, in the, in the same international class with Jason Dominguez, he was the second ranked prospect in that, um, international class. Um, he's currently ranked as the sixth prospect for the Oakland A's. Sounds um, like a Michael Elias guy to me. <laughs> sounds like a Michael Elias guy. And I actually stuck with the same theme for the second player they're going to get back, and that would be um, Pedro Pineda, who is an outfielder. He's the 13th-ranked prospect. Um, he was considered to be the 13th overall prospect in this past international draft class. Um, and his uh, future value is really, really high. Um, baseball trade values ranks him as a 14.7. Wow. Yeah, uh, future, so it's super high. Um, so I combined him and um, Paisan. I got 21 as an overall trade value. Trey Mancini needs a 20. So it's about as fair as you can possibly get. Yeah. I mean, that sounds fair. Um, again, you know, you went with, with positional needs for the Orioles. I, I don't think they're going to acquire outfield. I would be very surprised mm-hmm. if they did. Um, I would even lean more towards pitching as, as to middle infield. I think pitching is really what they're going to try to acquire. Um, yep. Because look, I mean, outside of Grayson Rodriguez, Deal Hall, and Kyle Bradish, you don't know really who's going to be back there for the Orioles. And, and if John Means sticks around, of course, he could be at the back end of that rotation or maybe even the front end if he keeps it up. But look, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of question marks, I think, for the Orioles pitching right now, even though they have a bunch of depth and there's a lot of guys in the system. Uh, and on that note, I'm going to trade Trey Mancini. And again, I don't want to do this, but if I had to, I'm going to trade Trey Mancini to the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I, I hate trading him in the division, but look, the Orioles aren't going to be competitive for two years. At least. Similar similar salaries for so, both. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the Oakland A's, when you said that, I was thinking, wow, I mean, that's pretty much the same team as the Rays. They, they do the right. same exact kind of stuff. Uh, they play that you know money ball approach just like the Rays do. So I, I would target a guy that, you know, the Orioles – reportedly wanted last year. I, I had it backwards. I thought they didn't want this guy, but apparently they did in the draft. Um, 
and he went 24th overall, a little bit before their second round pick. But that was Nick Bitsko. Nick Bitsko. Um, Nick Bitsko, very, very talented pitcher. Um, if he hadn't reclassified last year, he would have gone in the very early first round of 2021. 60-grade um, fastball, 60-grade curveball. And only overall 50 prospect, but a guy who I think could make an immediate impact. Um, and I mean, like, very, very immediate. He's so, so ridiculously good. First round pick that I, I think could just blossom for the O's um, and would be a game changer if they were able to acquire him. Um, ranked number nine for Tampa Bay, which means for most teams, he would be ranked like fourth or fifth in their system, most likely, because the Tampa Bay Rays have, have an incredibly stacked system. But Bisco, I, I think, is in the realm of possibility. I, I, you know, I had to rethink this. I, I thought about this a lot because originally I was like, no, no way the Orioles get Bitsko from it. Uh, the Orioles get Bitsko from Mancini, but then you rethink it. And I'm like, you know what? Tampa Bay is really going to be trying to upgrade their hitting. They've got to, um, you know, Juan or Franco can't carry the whole team. So you've got to acquire a guy like Mancini and you might have to pay a little bit. And Bitsko could be the guy, um, especially when you have guys like Shane Boz and Vital Bruhan and, and Xavier Edwards and just the stacked farm system they've got. So I think they can they can uh, afford to give up this guy. So I'm looking forward to seeing if that happens. But I think, you know, out of all the teams, if Trey Mancini goes to and it's the Tampa Bay Rays, I wouldn't even be mad at that. Like I I would just be, you know, they, they could give us some solid prospects and I'd like to see him win there. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a Florida guy. Um, I yeah, don't exactly. think he would mind going back there um, as tough as it would be, especially trading in division. is kind of always always tough, but Bitsko, you know, excellent excellent option there. I would love Shane Boz to come to the Orioles. A big fan of Ooh, his. That'd be tough. I mean, that would be really tough to get Shane Baz, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. He's, he's a stud. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, moving on to my last guy, who you mentioned first, Zach, uh, Freddie Galvis. Um, he's the guy who's probably most likely to be traded, but right, uh, but most likely he... to get a kind of a meh return. Like right. I, I don't think he's gonna get a lot. His trade value is pretty low, even if he's right. having like a deep, pretty decent season. Um, and I'm just trading him to a team that's is in the playoffs every year, just looking to load up that bench for the playoffs. I think we might have the same team, honestly. I don't know. Los Angeles Dodgers is who I'm going with. That is not my team. That is not my there team. There you go. There you go. Throw a curveball for you. Um, you know, currently their war at shortstop is 0.8 or 0.8. Um, and that's Corey Seager, which is unbelievable. It's uh, well, I, well, Gavin Lux too. Um, Gavin Lux there, cool, yeah. yeah. Um, and Galvis currently has a one war, so slightly above, um, what they're looking at a shortstop currently. Um, I have them getting the 22nd um, prospect in the system from the Dodgers, Jimmy Lewis. He's a right-handed pitcher, big kid, six foot six, okay. two hundred pounds. Um, he is kind of a, a project. He's had a lot of uh, injuries in his past, but he can really pump it up there. Um, high nineties. He's got really good secondary stuff. He just, you know, just hasn't really been able to sustain it for a while. And just to throw on top of it, I'm going to give him some international bonus money as well. Wow, we picked almost an identical trade, like in every way okay. possible. This is a very, very, very similar trade. I picked the New York Yankees. You talked about teams that are always in the playoffs. I think the Yankees could benefit from Galvis. And again, it's not going to hurt the Orioles. I mean, they they don't care. Look, the Orioles could trade inside the division if they want to. They don't care. I'm going to tell you that right now. People go, oh, why would you trade a guy to the Yankees? They're going to, of course, they're going to beat the Orioles. I mean, we already know that. But the Orioles don't care. Like, they they will get the best offer possible. Um, 
so I actually also, also included international bonus money. Um, <laughs> I, think that, I think that Mike Elias loves that. I mean, he he's a guy mm-hmm. who really trying to get involved as possible in the uh, international market. So I included that in my trade, which is pretty funny. But I also picked a big right-handed pitcher, um, <laughs> which is red number 30 for the Yankees. Um, okay. A guy that was drafted uh, in 2019, the sixth round. He's 6'3", 210. He's a pretty big guy, 23 years old. Uh, Hayden Wesneski. So hmm. what a name. I basically went through a lot of the Yankees pitchers in the back end of their organization that, you know, maybe were drafted a little bit later. And I was going basically on who is having a stud season and who has a really, really good, you know, who has some really, really good grades on some of their pitches. Um, I'm not aware of Hayden Wesniski. I don't know this guy. This is not one of, like the others I do know very well, but this guy, you know, it's, it's more of someone that Mike Elias might just, you know, know of himself, but a lot of fans probably don't know who Hayden Wesneski is if you're not a Yankees fan, but here he is. Um, so far, eight starts this year, 2.68 ERA. He's got a whip of 104, 218 average against him, uh, struck out 51 and only walked 11. So he only gave wow. up three home runs this year too. So he's been very, very solid. Um, and like I said, you know, he's drafted in the sixth round 2019. Maybe a guy Michael Elias would have gone for. You know, he, he looked at Garrett Stallings. He's looked at some of those guys who have been drafted in 2019 that he wasn't able to get. Um, I believe Kyle Brinovich was one of those guys. So this, to me, screams Michael Elias in every way. Um, 60-grade fastball, 50-grade slider, 50-grade changeup, 50-grade control. Overall, only a 40. Um which means that I, I think the Yankees would totally be able to uh, be able to deal this guy. Um, but overall, you know, if, if it's not him, if it's someone else, I would just say on Freddie Galvis, don't don't expect a whole lot. Um, this is the kind of guy you're going to get probably like a middle round draft pick to late round draft pick from 2019 that like Elias missed out on maybe even 2020. Um, and maybe some international bonus monies. We, we weirdly both included in our, uh, in our trade, <laughs> trade offers here, but I think that would be pretty fair. Both of our trade offers here. Um, but I do, I do expect it to be traded for a pitcher. I would definitely think that. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And again, Freddie Galvis is not going to go to a team and be like, Oh man, this guy's going to be, he's going to be hitting bombs for us seven days a week. He's going to be playing every day. I, I don't really expect that. I think he's more right. of a, a bench he's type a, player. But look, I mean, yeah. the Yankees also have struggled to short. Uh, Glaber Torres is a terrible shortstop. So move him to second. Tyler Wade, I mean, Tyler Wade doesn't give you a lot with the bat. So you could easily get rid of Tyler Wade out of that lineup, put Freddie Galvez short every day and actually get by. I think he'd do pretty well. And you never know what injuries are going to crop up across the league. Sure. So there's bound mm-hmm. to be someone that someone that uh, is going to be need to be replaced, a contender. So you, you never know. Yep. So uh, let, us, let us know what you guys think. Uh, tweet us in. Um, at foul pole pod. Uh, if you have any ideas for other trades, guys, you I think should, you missed. I should mention the results of the poll here. Um, I did not sure, mention that. Sure. Go ahead. I, I, I asked essentially who's most likely to be dealt. Um, not including Freddie Galvis, which was my mistake. Uh, thanks Daniel for pointing that out. But Paul Fry won by a large, large margin. 56 percent uh, to 21% for Mancini, 22% for Santander. So that would make sense for me. That would definitely make sense. I'm sorry. Go and, ahead. What you're saying. No, to that, to that notion um, with the poll, I think Santander is actually the least likely to be traded out of the four. And I, I just don't see them trading. low. I don't see them selling low on him. I don't think that makes exactly. any sense whatsoever. Yes. People um, keep talking about it. I keep seeing it out there. Um, and I threw him in there just to kind of, I, I guess, take everyone's temperature a little bit on how mm-hmm. everyone feels about it. But yeah. I will I will just put this out there. 
there is no way he's getting traded. The Orioles would be so, so, so stupid to trade him right now. And his value is basically zero. I mean, why would anyone want a guy who's hurt, who's, you know, on base percentage is like 260 right now? Right. There's basically no reason for the Orioles to sell this guy. If they wanted to sell him and they could have, you know, to the Marlins, as was reported in, you know, in December of last year, they would have. That's when they would have sold him. They didn't. Yep. So now they're facing the consequences of Santander being hurt and playing pretty poorly. And if he would have came out like he did last year, I think he's more of a proven commodity at that point. Exactly. Exactly. I think just teams look at him and say, you know, where is the consistency? So that might that's yeah, probably the question. Precisely. precisely. Um, all right. Uh, I guess if we don't have anything else, I'm going to wrap up with a little bit of a fantasy minute, which I've been doing the last couple of podcasts. Um, or let's just call it up a knuckleballer, Mickey Janice. Yeah. 33 years old. I don't think I was looking back. I don't think he's ever made the major leagues. I don't think he's ever made his. He's debut. not. This will be his major league debut when he comes in. But before you even get in your fantasy minute here, I think we have to talk about how poorly Pedro Severino will catch Mickey Giannis. Yeah, Mickey Janis, Mickey Giannis. It's going to be mm-hmm. a train wreck. Like, right. we might as well just put Brandon Hyde back there at this point. I mean, mm-hmm. it would be just as effective. Brandon Hyde right. might be bigger to be able to block the ball, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I would put money on Pedro Severino dropping at least six or seven. Mm-hmm. At least. And that's a, that's the thing too. To my point is, you know, he has a uh, ERA under three at Norfolk so far. So if Pedro Severino is dropping balls, maybe making some errors or what have you, it's not going to factor into his ERA. Let's hope. Um, Mickey Janice is right. a guy that could give you a couple innings at a time. He could come in, maybe give you two, maybe three innings. You know, at at, at most. Um, and if you're really in a pinch, you really want a reliever in an AL only league. Uh, Mickey Janice, you know. Give him a look. If, if you're really desperate, he could actually give you some decent innings, hopefully and a low ERA, and it's a lot of fun, and that's the bottom line. So He is a lot of fun. I, I'm, I'm very excited to see it. Um, I wouldn't say his knuckleball moves like Ari Dickey or something, but it's still pretty solid. Um, he's, he's a pretty solid guy, and I think he's going to add some excitement to the team. Um, but Austin Wins is playing tonight as of the 23rd, so maybe we'll see uh, Mickey Janis get, get into the game tonight, and uh, Austin Wins will catch him instead of the train wreck that Pedro Severino is behind the plate. Um, but, you know, I, the Orioles could just, like, get a guy off the street, honestly. Like, they could get anyone, and, and they could probably block a ball better than Pedro Severino. So I have no confidence that that uh, he's going to have any chance to catch, uh, really any chance to catch Mickey Jonas. So, Matt, anything else to uh, to hit on before we, we wrap this up? I think, um, you know, we're, we're pretty excited for the next month. Like I said, um, you know, should have Jim Callis coming on very soon. That's always an exciting episode. And, of course, on July 11th, our three, four-hour, five-hour, whatever it is, draft stream that we're, we're very much looking forward to. I'm, I'm, I'm very hyped for that. Yeah, it's becoming kind of like a fun event. Um, we've only yeah. done it once, but people seem to look forward to it last year. We got some good feedback, so we're going to do it again this year. Um, you know, Orioles pick fifth this year, so a little bit more suspense, I think. Uh, it'll be a little bit longer into the show before they pick. So we can speculate up until then. Um, but, yeah, it should be a, it should be a ton of fun. Can't wait. Um, definitely, definitely looking forward to the next month. Um, 
so I think that's pretty much going to wrap it up today. Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, like us on all of, all of the platforms. Basically, anywhere where you get your podcast, we're available. Uh, leave us some comments. Let you know. What you, let us know what you think of the podcast. Uh, give us a follow on social media. We're going to be posting there more and more. We're going to try to start up a, uh, a player of the game poll when the Orioles win. So you only see that like once a week. But we will be posting that up when the Orioles do win. Um, and hopefully the Orioles can get winning because we need to actually talk about the major league team on the, on this podcast. We try not to because they are so bad right now. Uh, but that remains to be seen. Uh, thank you everyone so much for listening today and we'll be back, uh, with Jim Callis in two weeks. Bye.